0: It's as easy as jumping out of a plane. It's the Your Life Lived Well podcast. Before we get started on this episode today about COVID-19 and chronic illness, I need to give a little aside. This episode had to be rescheduled a couple of times. This is part of life with chronic illness. I'm a peppy voice. Okay, sometimes I'm a snore-inducing voice you know, across across your airwaves here, but I'm a real person with a real life, and while I strive to live well all the time, that goal is is sometimes out of my reach, and I have good days and I have bad days. So I had a few bad days in there. You know, it's, it's no fault of my own. I didn't do anything differently. Uh, you know, MS, like most chronic illnesses, uh, has its own weather. And we must learn to accommodate that. So there were a couple of times there where my intention was to get into the studio and record this podcast for you. But my multiple sclerosis had a different idea. I want to acknowledge that. I never want to paint an overly rosy picture of things. Because living a good life does not mean living without stress or always being happy, or always being positive. It means making the best of the moment that you're in. With that in mind, I strive with this podcast to have a new one for you every week, and we're banking some so that we don't have to record every single week in case uh, something like this happens. But occasionally, you know, the best laid plans... But I just wanted to acknowledge that before starting here today, because that is a part of living life well. So, on to the cheery topic of COVID 19 and chronic illness. <laughs> really, there's going to be some good takeaways here out of this, and we're going to take it in a couple of surprising directions that you can use to educate friends and family, and loved ones and coworkers. And that's the important thing here. As we are recording this, we are at the end of January of 2021. We've been in this global pandemic for over a year now. And by this time, I know we're only a month into 2021, but most of our ebullient hopes for a wonderful 2021 have been sadly dashed against the rocks of reality, (laughs) So, here we are. As of this point, there have been over 100 million global cases. There have been over 2.2 million global deaths to COVID-19. And no, those statistics are not overrated. If anything, as with every epidemic, every pandemic, those initial numbers are low. And as, you know, we, we revise things and, and get better data in on all this, and, and as information filters through uh, administrative structures in various governments, those numbers will be revised up. In the United States, there have been almost 26 million of those cases, about one in four. There have been over 430,000 recorded deaths, which puts it in the top five events for mortality in American history. And it's still growing. There are currently, right at this moment that I'm recording, 104,000 Americans hospitalized. So it's sobering. By this time, you probably know someone who has had COVID. Uh, There's a good chance that you know someone who's had a serious case of COVID. There's sadly a good chance that you know someone who's passed away from COVID and its complications. So it's been pretty ugly. And it's gone on for a really long time. There's also hope now. Worldwide, there are nine vaccines that have been approved for use somewhere. In the United States, only two of them have been approved and are in production. Uh, There are a couple others that are getting close to FDA approval. There are 58 other vaccines still in development right now we're seeing more and more news reports of new mutations that are arising. Now, this is a normal process, but it's still kind of scary because we don't know how robust some of these new mutations are against the vaccines that we already have. So with the preliminary data, we're we're seeing that uh the vaccines are just as successful against these new mutations in some cases and in other cases the vaccine may only be 60 or 70% as effective. Uh, so we're still figuring it out and and just like we've done with the flu for decades and decades and decades now, we are now engaged in a perennial global arms race against this particular little critter. And just like we have cold season and flu season, How we deal with COVID is going to become part of our our health landscape moving forward. So it's big, it's scary, it's frustrating. We just want to get back to our lives as we knew them. And that's entirely natural. Um, But, you know, we have to realize that the normal that we have right now is going to be around for a while longer. And it won't be like shutting off a switch. We will gradually transition into something that was a lot closer to the normal. We all remember from way, 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 way back in 2019 or before. But all of these things that people have been complaining about with chronic illness. And this is the big topic that I want us to unpack in this particular episode. All of these complaints sound eerily familiar to those of us who have lived with a chronic health condition for a long time. With COVID-19, the whole world is experiencing what life with a chronic illness is like. If your friends and family don't understand what you deal with, with your chronic health condition day in and day out, and you know, if you're like me for decades, or it may be pretty new and you're still trying to figure out how you're going to accommodate this beast in your life, but most of the battles that you're fighting, you know, are internal and other people can't see. And all of the, the the challenges that you've been facing, well, now you have something external to point to and say, well, look, the world is dealing with a chronic illness. And, you know, technically, by definition, a chronic illness is any health condition that lasts for three or more months. Okay, so, so we're in it, and most of the world is not handling it very well. So everybody else can just back off and cut you some slack. <laughs> in this podcast, we're not focusing on the biomedical issues of COVID-19 or chronic illness, although we'll touch on some of them in the second segment that's coming up after the break. Uh, but we're going to focus on those mental, emotional, behavioral, social dimensions of the experience of living with a chronic diagnosis and of the world living with chronic COVID-19. Hopefully, by the time we get done with this, uh, we're going to know a little bit more about how to make each other understand what we're living with With our diagnoses or as a caregiver and so forth. So, we're going to take a quick break and we're going to come back and talk about, well, what COVID 19 actually is. I'm Dr. Kevin Payne. Just jump with me into your life lived well. Half of us now live with chronic illness. Mine is multiple sclerosis. It's your life. Live it well. A chronic diagnosis doesn't mean goodbye to the good life you wanted. You don't have to feel overwhelmed or hopeless. I'll show you how to save yourself. Take your first step at justjump.life. And we're back. We're talking about COVID-19 and chronic illness. I don't typically in this in these episodes, like to get down too far into the technical weeds. But we're just going to go a little bit there for this particular segment. All right. Unfortunately, there's been a lot of misinformation surrounding COVID-19. And even more unfortunate, it's become politicized. And I will just tell you right now, This isn't about us. It isn't about our likes or dislikes or what we think should or shouldn't happen. It's a virus. The virus doesn't care. This is about science. So in this segment, we're going to talk a little bit about what COVID-19 is and what it does and what you can do, you know, at that kind of nuts and bolts level. And some of you who are really up on this stuff, this won't be new for you. There'll probably be a little nugget here and there. But for many of us, we need to hear it again and again and again and again and again. So I'm going to do my part, being being a responsible science guy. So COVID-19 is a virus in the SARS family. It's related to the common cold. Viruses are perhaps the most simple living organism that we know of and a lot of biologists don't even think that it's living in the full technical sense so so it's just right on the it's it's right on the border it's as simple as you can possibly get all it is is a little genetic sequence inside a shell and then some of those shells have an envelope around it, and that envelope is uh, it's it's this fatty greasy coating that helps protect it, and it's it's scavenged from the leftover parts of host cells. so uh, you know that's all it is. so it's really tiny and it it doesn't do anything except hang around and wait for access to a host cell that it can attach to okay and so if you've seen the pictures of COVID-19 you see how it looks like a ball and it's got those spikes sticking out of it well those spikes can attach to certain cells it's like a key in a lock right and if it can attach there then it can pick the lock and insert its little genetic code inside the cell. Now, your cells have this mechanism inside them that reproduce itself, right? Uh, because your cells, you know, we're, we're replacing our cells, replacing, you know, all of our cells within, you know, months or, or, or a year or two it's it's so so cells don't last that long they have to be replaced and there's a little engine inside a cell that's like a like an old fashioned copy machine and and it just makes another copy and another copy well viruses can't reproduce by themselves they have to hijack that mechanism from a cell so it sticks its genetic code in there and our cells get disrupted it starts making more copies of the virus. And in process, our cells aren't doing what they're supposed to be doing, and much of the time then our cells are are destroyed in that process. Because our cells aren't doing their jobs and because they're getting damaged by this process, then we we get a, a variety of symptoms that are related to being infected by the virus. So that's it. That's all the virus does. The virus lives to reproduce, or almost lives, depending on the biologist that you're, you're talking to. And they are extraordinarily successful at what they do. If you did the math, on our planet, there are like 10 to the 31 trillion viruses on our planet. They're everywhere. And the only time they become a problem for us is when they happen to have the particular key that can fit in one of our cell's locks so that they can hijack our reproductive system at the cellular level. And that's it. That's all they're doing. Now, how do the viruses transmit? They have to go from host to host, right? So some viruses, you have to get up really close and personal with somebody to transmit it. And some viruses don't live outside a host for very long. So if they're out you know, on a, on a tabletop or in the sun or something like that, they may not live very long. All of those things affect how we have to act to break that cycle. Because all we're trying to do as humans is to break this cycle. And the really cool thing about this is that you know, we we know a lot of the things that we can do, and we'll get into that uh, here in just a minute. Once that virus gets into our system and starts hijacking our cells, now our cells are pumping out little copies of the virus, and those are latching onto other cells of that particular type within our system, and so we start feeling those symptoms. And with COVID nineteen, those symptoms appear within about 2 to 14 days. So it takes, it takes a, that long for enough of the virus to build up in your system and damage enough cells and hijack enough cells so that you can actually understand, oh, you know, I'm experiencing sickness. So what kind of symptoms do we have? Well, it turns out that COVID-19 has a whole raft of symptoms because it doesn't just affect uh, respiratory cells. Uh, And and so what do we feel? We feel fever and chills. We feel cough. We feel shortness of breath or difficulty breathing. We feel fatigue. We feel muscle aches, body aches, headaches, um, loss of taste or smell which is one of those weird symptoms that that, uh, we didn't realize at the beginning. Sore throat, congestion, runny nose, nausea, vomiting, diarrhea. Uh, So a lot of symptoms that are accompanying other viruses as well, because a lot of viruses disrupt the similar types of cells in our system. So... We've got a sense of what it's doing and why it's doing. We also know that with COVID 19, there are mild cases and they're really severe cases. There are, uh, cases where we're completely recovered after a really short period of time. And there are cases that are sometimes called long COVID or long haul COVID, where people have, uh, been living with for months with this and, and a couple of my dear friends are are living with long haul COVID right now and and it's no joke at all. So what we're trying to do is we're trying to break this reproductive cycle and we're trying to develop an immunity. Now what is an immunity? I mean at a really simple level it's when we make it so that their key no longer fits into the lock that opens one of our cells okay you know a vaccine that's what it's doing because our bodies don't have a natural immunity this is this is a completely new critter and for us and we haven't had time to do that. Now, on the other hand, you know, we, we know enough about this now to know that COVID 19 originated in bats and it has been living in bat populations for millions of years. And so those bats have, have been undergoing this arms race with this COVID 19. Virus for all that time. And, and so we actually see in the bat populations that at a cellular level, they have been adapting so that their cells don't fit for the, for the COVID-19 lock, right? And as COVID-19 was then adapting to try to fit into the new lock for their cells, what happened was some of the bat cells developed a lock that is very similar to the lock on some human cells. And so now, when COVID-19 was close by humans, it could jump the species barrier. So, as a result of all these years of genetic arms race between the two, as, as bats were trying to get less attractive, they got less attractive in a way that was more similar to humans at the cellular level. And COVID responded, and now COVID was able to jump the barrier. And so now it's mutating in, in us as well to be more, uh, more well-fitted to us as hosts. And that's why we get the mutations. And mutations take time. Viruses want to transmit. Successful mutations do that better somehow. So the long story short here is, you know, we blew our initial response to COVID-19. And now we are seeing what's called convergent evolution. We're seeing separate strands of the virus in different parts of the world make similar leaps because those are, effective for being, uh, you know, hosted by us. So, one of the little side effects of all of this, now that we've been doing all these things that, that uh, we're supposed to do to lessen COVID, we find that this year's flu and cold season has been very mild for the most part. And the reason why is because the things that dis- that disrupt COVID getting from one host to another, also keep those viruses from jumping from one host to another. So we still have a lot of questions about this. Um, you know, are the new mutations more virulent and serious? Um, how long does immunity last from the point of infection? How long will the vaccines last? Will the vaccines work against new mutations? Can we become reinfected? And we're still working those things out, and we may come back to another COVID-19 and chronic illness episode later, uh, as, as it warrants. But the thing that I want you to take out of this segment is that this is about all of us playing the odds. You've got to think like a gambler here, okay? Okay. Nobody is telling you that any one of these uh, things is going to stop COVID-19. But it's going to make it more difficult for it to make that leap from one host to another. Anything we can do to break this path improves the odds that they don't persist long enough to spread. After... You know, dipping down into the weeds a little bit here for, for this kind of digression on, on what COVID-19 is. After the break, we're gonna talk about, well, what's happening to us and uh, what can we do and, and how can we use this knowledge to inform others and, and live better with our chronic illnesses. We all have challenges. Mine is multiple sclerosis. We each have this one life. And we didn't choose to be saddled with chronic illness. But there's a better way. So I choose to just jump. And you can too. It's your life. Live it well. JustJump.life We've been coming to the realization here that it's really useful to think of COVID-19 as a chronic health condition for the world. I think it helps to see it that way because all these effects that we're living, and this is what we're going to dig into in this segment, all of these effects that we're living are things that we already put up with with chronic illness. And, of course, for some, and for many more of us before this is all through, COVID-19 becomes a chronic illness in and of itself. And I'm sure in the future, as we get enough science to understand what's going on there, that we're going to have an episode about that. The other issue that I think is really important for us to highlight here is that with our chronic illnesses, many of us are more vulnerable to infections like COVID-19. And that's not only that we may be more likely to get it, but also that we might have more serious cases, and we might have more difficulty fighting it off, and we might be more likely to experience long-term effects. So all of those are, are really good reasons for those of us with existing conditions, and, you know, for some of them we know already uh, that, that this is the case. So if you have respiratory conditions, we know already that you really have to be taking special precautions. Uh, but with other conditions, we don't know yet. You know, right now there have been a few preliminary studies, and I keep my eye on these things, but there's, there's not been any special interaction noted with, say, multiple sclerosis that I live with. And uh, that may change as we get more studies and more people with MS have COVID-19. And, and you know, that's the way science goes. Uh, but as of this point, I'm still being careful except when I jump out of a plane. And then, you know, if you jump out of a plane, you're actually moving faster than the virus can go. <laughs> so, so it's okay. It can't, it can't catch you. Um, but this is really important. So in 2020, the whole world learned what it's like to live with a chronic condition. What do I mean by that? Let's unpack it. Feeling vulnerable, uncertain, out of control. Well, that pretty much describes everyone on the planet right now. And, you know, welcome to our world. Because more times than not, we have good reasons to feel vulnerable, uncertain, out of control. We're always having to adjust our lives to accommodate whatever limits our health are giving us at at this moment. And the whole world right now is wondering if there's a future or what that future is going to look like. Well, that's something that, you know, we ponder every day with a chronic illness. Um, You know, every time I have an exacerbation to my MS, you know, I... It's like I'm waiting for the other shoe to drop because right now it's relapsing, remitting multiple sclerosis in my case. But one of the gifts of MS is that, you know, eventually, if you've had it long enough, and, you know, I've been a couple decades here at least for me, uh, you know, one time or another you can have that exacerbation and then it doesn't remit. And before you even know it, now you are in secondary progressive MS. And, and just in case, you know, for, for you uh, people in the audience who are dealing with other chronic illnesses and have not yet had the pleasure of dealing with multiple sclerosis, um, you know, the terminology is, is most of us start out with relapsing-remitting MS. And so that just means that the symptoms come and go. We relapse. That means we have a flare-up. Uh, uh, you know, there's there's some kind of noticeable increase in symptoms, and then uh, that flare reduces. And so it remits. It fades back into the background. And it may not completely go away, but it's a lot better. So we have these uh, unpredictable periods of, you know, and we're doing pretty well, and then we're not. And then we are, and then we're not. Well, with secondary-progressive, MS. So after you've had uh, relapsing remitting MS, then one of these days you get one of those really nasty symptoms that pops up and then it never goes away. But it's not like you get a telegram beforehand to say, oh, look, this is what's happening. And and that is my point with what we're dealing with right now with COVID-19. We don't know what that future is going to be like. We don't know if there's a future. We don't know if the little beastie's gonna completely mutate and we're all hosed. Likely not. But, you know, so all of this vulnerability, this uncertainty, this lack of control, this worry about the future, that is day in and day out with a chronic health condition. And and those are the the little concerns that, that we all carry inside that we don't want to burden other people with because it's a downer. And we don't want to be a downer, you know? So, uh, so everybody else who is freaking out about this, like, oh, it's something new. It's like, no, it's not something new. It's something that half the people around you have been dealing with. We're just not talking about it. So, now we are getting a chance to talk about it. And this, this is a reason why you should be more understanding of the chronic illness in the people in your lives. Right? Because this is what we're dealing with. Another thing that the whole world is dealing with right now is we miss our mobility, we feel isolated. We feel left out and alone. We, you know, we feel like we have limited resources. Well, again, guess what? This is a whole set of concerns that, with chronic illness, we face all the time. You know? I mean, there's some days my legs don't work very well. I miss my mobility. There, there are some days when I'm too fatigued to get out of the house and go in and record this podcast, you know, (laughs) like like we mentioned at the beginning. It, it, It just happens sometimes, and it's not like I'm asking for it. It's not like I even overdo it usually whenever it happens. It just comes and goes. It's part of it. And, you know, so sometimes there are times when when. Uh, people i love and care about are are off doing their thing and you know maybe i've been invited to be along with them but i can't do it and i don't feel resentful i'm grateful that they're out there doing stuff and enjoying it but i still miss not being involved and that's something that that every single person you know with a chronic health condition has had to deal with and it sucks and we know it sucks. We know it sucks because now the rest of you are dealing with that all the time as well. How do we do that? We, we don't have large get-togethers. We're not going to concerts. We're not having birthday parties with friends and family. Uh, we got the Super Bowl coming up and go Chiefs. You know, it's not going to be like it has been public events that we're now watching at a distance on television. Uh, look at the recent inauguration. Instead of thousands of people, tens of thousands, hundred thousand people out on the, on the mall in Washington, D.C., we had a bunch of flags, which, you know, was a creative way of filling the visual. But this is not the kind of thing that we're used to. So we do feel left out. We do feel alone. We do feel that we, we can't move around the world like we normally do. Uh, because even when we're, you know, if you're a, you go to the grocery store and, and you put on your masks because you're good, responsible humans, and you go in, and it's, a, and you know, again, responsibly, you try to minimize the time that you spend in there exposed. It's a very different kind of experience, even doing a normal day to day sort of thing. The whole world now is spending a lot of our emotional energy hoping that medical science will come up with a cure. Well, when we're dealing with a chronic illness that. That's usually on our annual wish list every year. Gosh, it would be really nice if they came up with a cure for whatever it is. I would, I would really like a treatment for MS that means that my central nervous system wasn't being eaten away from the inside. I, I really wish that there was a cure for cancer. Uh, you know, which will really have to be probably hundreds of different cures because there are hundreds of different cancers. Uh, but you know, I I I wish there were cures uh, because this isn't this is not a fun thing to devote resources and time and energy and and it, and it really cramps our style, you know. But. <laughs> Now the whole world is is rooting medical science on. We are distressed. The whole world is distressed because our norms are violated. Our sense of right and wrong, and what should happen, and what we should be able to do, is you know those are violated, and and you know it, it makes us feel angry and and it makes us feel helpless and. We want to lash out, and and sometimes we we do, you know, ill-considered, childish things in response. You know, that's pretty awful. And all of these things, they just go on and on and on and on with no clear end in sight. And that is the hell of life with a chronic illness. Because the only end that most of us can see in sight is death. It's really awful. There's, okay, so there was this Peanuts cartoon that I loved. And Lucy and Charlie Brown are sitting at her psychiatric booth. And Lucy asks Charlie Brown something I'm paraphrasing here. Do you believe that there's one moment that is the best in your life? And Charlie Brown thinks for the next panel. And then in the third panel, he says, yeah, I think there is. And then Lucy looks him in the eye and says, What if it's already happened? Oof. In the back of our minds, living with chronic illness, there is that, What if the best of my life has already happened? And a lot of people are wondering that, in the whole world right now. I think the best is yet to come, but I'm an optimist. Um, So we are overwhelmed, we're disoriented, we're disconnected, and I haven't even gotten to the financial problems, the social disconnection, the disruption of routines, all of this stuff. My point here is the whole world is experiencing a chronic health condition And you can use this sad lesson that we are all caught in to help those people around you understand a little bit better what you deal with every day and what's still going to be there for you once we've got this COVID thing tackled. After a break, we'll come back and we'll uh, close with some things that you can take away to live your life well. I'm Dr. Kevin Payne. Just jump with me into your life lived well. Half of us now live with chronic illness. Mine is multiple sclerosis. It's your life. Live it well. A chronic diagnosis doesn't mean goodbye to the good life you wanted. You don't have to feel overwhelmed or hopeless. I'll show you how to save yourself. Take your first step at justjump.life. And we're back talking about COVID-19 and chronic illness. I want to leave in this last segment with a few ideas for you to take away and, and some things that you can do To keep yourself safe and maybe educate some people around you as well. Uh, Bring a little more understanding into your world. That's always a good thing. So the first thing is play the odds. Think like a gambler. Remember that what we're doing is trying to break that viral reproductive cycle. There is no one thing that you can do that's always going to stop all those little critters. Which is not going to happen. Okay? They're they're out there. Remember, there are hundreds and thousands and millions and billions and trillions of them out there. And there's only, you know, what, seven and a half billion of us. So we are woefully outnumbered. And they have only one thing that they want to do. They just reproduce. That's it. So play the odds. Realize that everything that you are doing, everything that we're doing, everything that public health officials are telling you to do, all of those things are not political. They are not about you. Nothing is about you. It's about us. And we need to do these things for a while and there will be another side to this Uh, you know we'll probably get back to something close to normal sometime in in early 2022 probably you know 2021 is probably gonna be another sucky year like 2020 was but toward the end of the year it will get better and better and and we may move in fits and starts but uh, we're headed in the right direction now so Play the odds. First, remember that we do have asymptomatic transmission going on with with this particular virus. So even when the viral load is low enough that you have not started to experience those symptoms, in other words, you don't have enough damage to start experiencing those symptoms. Uh, you can already be shedding virus and and be transmitting it into the, the world around you. And it doesn't travel very far. I mean, these are, these, uh, you know, maybe 6, 10, 12 feet or so is, is about as far as these little critters go. Uh, but, you know, they do. So So right now, the best idea is when you're out in public, act like you're infected. And we act like we're infected. We, we maintain distance and yada, yada, yada. We'll talk about it in a second here until we have enough inoculation, enough vaccination that we have a herd immunity. And no, we can't get to a herd immunity naturally because that would mean killing millions of people. And some of those, three or four of those millions, would probably be people you actually like. So don't do it, right? You know, remember that this is a condition that it's kind of hard to tell whether you have it or not. Because so many of these symptoms are common for other conditions. And so many of them are, have symptoms that overlap with conditions that many of us already have and live with every day. I got neurological weirdness going on. I got aches and pains going on every day. I ne- I haven't had a pain free day in twenty years, you know. So I've always got something going on, sniffling and you know, um, yeah. It's it's just one of those things, and and I, literally I have seasonal allergies uh, for every season. It's the darndest thing. That'll be in an episode sometime here. Just go ahead and presume that, that uh, you need to act responsibly and that it's on you and you're not doing it just for you, you're doing it for all of us. Maintain physical distance. Okay, I, I'm, I refuse to use that social distancing term because I think that was just one of the stupidest terms that got coined in here. I'm a social scientist. I'm all about us being social. We can be social with one another and still be physically distant. Yeah, we, we have to give up the haptics and the proxemics and some of those channels that we use to communicate with one another, uh, but we can still be there for one another, and we can still be social. So be physically distant to people that are outside your household, uh, but you know realize that that doesn't mean that we can't be social. Wear a mask wear a mask wear two masks really seriously i mean uh, you know take a surgical mask and put a cloth mask over it um, now we have enough n 95 masks and other similar masks that are we, we we've got enough of a supply that it's okay to to go ahead and get those and use those for yourself you know i've i've, I've got uh, my my snazzy custom-made pirate masks that i've had for a year now i mean i, I had a, a friend of mine make them early Uh, when this started. So wear your mask. Make it a fashion statement. Don't and don't be whiny about it. Insist others do the same. Insist others keep distance and insist others wear a mask. This isn't an opinion. It isn't politics. It's not about you. Grow up. It's science. The virus doesn't care. And, you know, the, all of this is true for COVID-19, but it's, it's been true for the flu and colds and any other viral bacterial illnesses that we've been facing. I mean, you know, to reiterate what I mentioned before, we've had a mild cold and flu season for a reason here in the Northern Hemisphere. I mean, that's, you know, this is it. So whenever you go into another place... Limit your time inside because the longer you are in the same recirculating environment, you know, the, the more opportunity you have to be exposed, et cetera, et cetera. So make your trips with purpose and, and, you know, again, it sucks, I know, but do it. Wash your hands. Your mama said wash your hands anyway, so wash your hands. Uh, avoid touching your face. I know, that one's really tough for me because one of my symptoms of MS is I always itch. Now, now think about this for a second. I, and, and this is a symptom that started about 10 years before I was diagnosed. I mean, I was still in college when this started. This, this was like 1990 when this started, 91. I just thought it was normal. I, I didn't even think about it, but, but I itch all the time. And I know even decades later that if I scratch it, it does no good. But, you know, so I'm always willing to scratch something. And I will absentmindedly do it, even though it doesn't help at all. So avoid touching your face because there are openings in your face that the little viruses like. And, and it makes it easier for them to hop inside and get to the cells where you have locks that their keys fit. If someone in your home is infected, everybody isolates. You've got to treat a pod mentality here, right? And if you have not been vaccinated yet, get vaccinated when you can. Yes, the vaccines that are approved are safe. They are. And if you have special concerns with your chronic illness, talk to your medical team, and they will let you know whether it's okay with your condition because there are a few conditions where you shouldn't get vaccinated there are a few medical treatments you know where you're immunosuppressed that you know you it might not be a good idea but for the most part uh, you know this is this is okay you get your get get vaccinated and do it be part of the solution beyond playing the odds and these are all things you know each one does a little bit right so, beyond playing the odds, give yourself and others a little patience and grace. and it's okay if you do it in your sweet voice, right to remind others that, yeah, you know I know I know you're having a really hard time with this when somebody comes unglued, and the reason and you can just kind of gently throw this in there, and the reason why I know this is because. I've lived with these kinds of things for years longer than you have. It's okay to do double duty there and and help them understand more about what we're living with as well. Don't buy into the dismissive hype, okay? You know, you you hear less of this now that like oh it's no big deal and it's you know because now we got you know millions of bodies piled up. And and it shouldn't have taken It shouldn't have taken hundreds of thousands of bodies. It shouldn't have taken thousands of bodies, but it did. And humans are like that, and sometime I'll go off on a rant about that, but not this episode. People will grasp at some pretty silly, specious solutions that they would never entertain under normal circumstances because we're distressed, because we're uncertain, because we feel at risk. So, yeah, give them some patience and grace, but that doesn't mean that you have to accept their nonsense either. You can very gently and very firmly say, no, that's not the case, and, and point them in direction of better information. Recognize that this is distressing and traumatic. We are not adapted for long-term and repeated trauma. Humans are not. We're not trained to handle long-term and repeated trauma. Humans are adapted for quick, easy trauma, right? It's like, oh, you know, and, and, and you know, the saber-toothed tiger lunges out of the bushes at, at your ancestor and he screams and runs away. Okay, Whew. that was traumatic, but now he's got a story to tell around the campfire that night. So... But this is lasting and repeated trauma. We don't get time to, to take a deep breath and rest and, and recover. And, and so, yes, our one last nerve is, is worn pretty thin right now. Finally, use this as an opportunity to teach. Others don't understand what you've been going through. But now we all have some firsthand understanding learned through direct experience about fatigue, pain, fogginess, uncertainty, lack of control, all of these things that are commonly shared across chronic illnesses we all understand now what it's like to have our long-term habits and norms disrupted we all get that we've all lived that now we have to remind one another of that and and be conscious of that because uh we we all have a lot of cognitive functions that will cause this experience to kind of be wiped away (laughs) over time. And and we don't want that. We don't want to wallow in it, but we don't want to forget it. We want to learn from it, right? So remember that 2020 and now 2021, they just keep on giving, right? These are the years that we have learned a deep personal understanding of what it's like to live with chronic illness. And it's a lesson that we don't yet realize we've learned. So I want you to help everybody understand that, right? Remember, we can do this. We have to go through this to get through this. I have really appreciated you being with me in this episode of Your Life Lived Well. Until next time, go forth, be well, do well, and do good. If you've enjoyed today's topic and want to join the conversation with Dr. Kevin Payne, find Your Life Lived Well on all of your favorite social media sites, Patreon, and of course, yourlifelivedwell.co Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe.